Hello and welcome to the Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one Bilbo-filled minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I mean, they're all Bilbo minutes so far. I mean, I guess. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. <laughs> and today we're talking about Minute 29, which starts with Gandalf uh, saying, I'm trying to help you. And he looks very sympathetic. And we end with Bilbo holding the ring in his hand, staring down at it, while the music kind of starts to reach a crescendo. No, it's, it's building to it. Yeah. I like that shot, the... Looking up past his hand. Yeah. There's a lot of those in the previous minute, when he was uh, fiddling with the ring. Yeah. Uh, but I really like when we're looking from the ring's point of view, that we're kind looking of. up yeah. into their face. I think it's a cool touch. And the look on Ian Holmes' face is, like, somewhere between, like, disgust and remorse. He really doesn't want to let go of this ring. Yeah, it's very, it's agonizing. Yeah. To him. It's but he doesn't, he doesn't want it to be. Right. And I like that he can communicate that. Through a series of expressions. Yeah. It's a very complicated facial expression, but it really conveys a lot. And it's really hard to put into words. Mm. But he's also very stone-faced about it, too. Yeah. You can tell that he's working through things. Yeah. And a lot of that, I feel like, is conveyed by the music, too. Ian Holm has a face that you could, like, see chiseled out of marble and put on display. <laughs> because it's just so expressive. It is. But in Marvel, it would Marvel. In Marble, it wouldn't be as expressive. That's all about the talent of the sculptor. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with this. I just thought it was a I thought it was a, a cool way of putting that. Mm. Points for effort for yeah. artistic integrity. <laughs> yes. Uh, their hug is adorable. Oh my god! It makes me feel so happy. Well, because he whimpers like a hurt animal. Right. He does. Like he's just like. He he says, I'm trying to help you. And there's a pause. He There's like a beat. And then he's like, oh. And then he runs for Gandalf. Like he whimpers like a kicked dog. I know. Poor baby. I think the size difference also contributes to this. Uh, and, and of course, the hug is with Kieran, the scale double for Ian Holm. Yeah. And if we're looking at Ian Holm, we're seeing If we see like Ian Tall Holm, Paul. Yeah. We're seeing tall Paul. So that Kieran. scene where Gandalf is saying to re let the ring go and we're focusing on Ian Holmes' face and you see these two giant hands. Those would be tall Paul's hands. Yes. That is an enormous human being. <laughs> he is. He's a very big man. That's, That's why he's tall Paul. <laughs> and... I don't know, the hug is so heartwarming. It really is. Well, it brings, because... All these years I've been your friend. Trust me as you once did. Oh, that hurts. But it's like a good hurt. Yeah. Because so much about their relationship is conveyed in so little time. I wish it could have been Ian Holm and not Martin Freeman in those Hobbit movies. Because Ian Holm and Ian McKellen have but so much good chemistry. I also think it's like crazy that they hadn't worked together prior to this, right. and there's all of this emotional. Yeah. And they have all this chemistry without even being in the same room. Exactly. It's insane. 
But Ian Holm Which really as, speaks to how well this is edited. Ian Holm as, as young Bilbo would not have worked. Yeah. You would have had to have made the movie at like at this time or earlier than this. Earlier. Because... He would have had to do the whole movie with his face taped back. I don't think that would work because Bilbo in The Hobbit is not this Bilbo. That's this true. Bilbo has seen some stuff. It's true. He's seen dragons. Yeah. And murder. I mean, I, uh, Martin Freeman's performance is one of the redeeming things in that movie overall. Martin Freeman is my favorite part of those movies. Don't yeah. take him away from me. <laughs> there are... Orlando Bloom shouldn't have gotten anywhere near them. But. All right. Let's go. You and me. By the flagpole. Three o'clock. Let's fight. Put up them dukes. <laughs> Why? How dare you? What? How dare you? There's a lot of problems in those movies. You know how I feel about Orlando Bloom. So, <laughs> this was apparently some of the first scale work that they shot. Was Peter it? talks about that in the comment commentary. Some of this early scale footage that they did is really easy to spot. It's a lot easier to spot than some of the later work they did. Oh, because they refine it. They refine it a little more through the process of making the movie. Interesting. Because they kind of find things that work better. So this was some of the early scale work they did. Because that first scene, when we see Gandalf come into Bag End, is all blue screen shots. Right. And for and then, like, the forest perspective. But it's not a whole lot of, like, scale work with multiple scale doubles across a bunch yeah. of scenes real quick. I think it's really cool that Ian Holm uh, helped direct the scale doubles too yeah that's pretty awesome he he helped he directed his scale double to be like okay so this is how i move this is what i do yeah and also the other scale doubles around the set yeah. like if he was around while they were filming other yeah. scale work he would jump in and help yeah which i think is cool ian holm seems just like a real hands-on kind of guy mm. which is pretty it is pretty cool there's a the music in this scene is what makes so much of this scene work mm -hmm. because you get you go from the conjurer of cheap tricks and the music kind of calms back down and fades and it gets kind of whimsical again when they hug. Yeah. And then the slow build back up to the crescendo while Bilbo's agonizing over the ring. Yeah. Just makes all because of this work really that well. That theme, the the dun 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 it's like the the descending like I think they're thirds. Um See, I, I wouldn't really know. I I don't know. You know. Music's not my like piano my teacher thing. from high school would be very proud. Uh, but the because they, I mean, I played an instrument, but like ten years ago. Because it it it's descending, but it's also uh like very like one two three four like it has it's rapid purpose. Yeah. It's very on the beat with a purpose, going forward, driving the emotion. Yeah. Uh, which fits. It's almost. Because out of context, like a guy looking at a ring in his hand should not have that dramatic theme. Right. But with, you know, we what we know in the context of the story and what's going on, it, I think it fits really well. Yeah. And it amplifies uh, and adds to the the uh, emotion of the moment when, oh, for sure. when he finally does. I know at the very beginning of the next minute, he's going to let that ring hit the floor. Right. And it, it's very powerful. Also, so many of these scenes with Bilbo and Gandalf, they're just little moments that make me laugh. Like, Bilbo, the ring's still in your pocket. Yeah. And he, like, stops like a little kid that's been caught in the cookie jar. 
He almost stops for too long, but yeah. it's very, it's played for laughs. Yeah, it is played for laughs. Because you have Because this, there's even like a comedy beat in the music right there. Just yeah. a very light one. You have this, this very warm moment between these two characters. Like lifelong friends. Yeah. And then it's like. It, it's almost like a sitcom, like a multicam sitcom. Like <laughs> You're waiting for the laugh track. Yeah, like he puts his hands on his hips all... Bilbo. Like, exaggeratedly, and be like, Bilbo? Cue audience laughter. He kind of turns around, sheepish. Yeah. <laughs> Wiggles his ears a little. Yeah. Because he's still he, in your pocket. Because he has like one foot off the ground about to step over the threshold right. when he says the ring's still in your it's pocket. It's very cartoony. And then he takes like that half step back onto his other foot and turns and looks He's like, hold up. <laughs> what? It's like a rewind. Yeah. Let's do that again. <laughs> Freeze frame. Oh, Bilbo. <laughs> Bring that back. <laughs> I like that. Because this minute, and compared to the last minute, it's almost like emotional whiplash. Yeah. Um, but it's not overly so. It's not to the point where I'm just feeling all the feelings at one time. Mm. But I think it. it is very... The contrast is big. Yeah. Um, a lot of the... Uh, and a lot of the, the expressions that like Ian Holm is very good at... I'm not super familiar with his body of work. Makes me wonder if he's done a lot of physical comedy. Because I feel like he'd be very, very good at that. Probably. I mean, he's the creepy robot man in Alien. That's true. And that, you know. The very physical role. Yeah. It's, a, it's all about, like, controlling his mannerisms very particularly. Right. There's a lot of physicality. Yeah. That goes into his acting. I feel like he would be very, very good at physical comedy. And if he like has slapstick? Been, yeah. Yeah. I feel like he'd be very good at that, and if he has done that, I'm really curious. So I should I should look into that. I wonder if he and Hugh Laurie have worked together. Oh, that would be amazing. I need to look that up because that sounds incredible. Like if him and Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry oh, ever did anything goodness. together. Oh my goodness! I would be shocked. That would be yeah. I would be shocked too, but that would just be incredible. Because Fry and Laurie are hilarious. I feel like he must have been a guest on Fry and Laurie. <laughs> Especially like when these movies. We're around. Well, no, Fry and Laurie is pre. Oh, it is before this. You're right. Yeah. I only think that show's newer than it is. No. That's because it's hilarious. It is hilarious. But then, then I got to remember also, like, when House was being made and Fry and Laurie is before House. Right. It's way before House. And House is, like, like early. Early 2000s. Early 2000s, yeah. Because this was early 2000s. Yeah, 2000. They, they started filming in 2000. It is amazing to me to think how long was spent before this movie actually started being filmed. That Peter and, and Fran and Philippa were writing a script since 97. Mm. That's a long time. Four years before you start working on a script you've written? I mean, because you have to write it and then it has to get greenlit and then you have to get the sets built and you have to grow yeah. Hobbiton. You have to grow Hobbiton. Right. So it's it's not uncommon. Oh. Yeah, I don't really know. Because, you know, you have to... Especially because if if you don't have like the star power behind you, yeah. Because Peter Jackson, yeah, this would have been such a different movie with some of the different cast ideas. Yeah, we'll talk about it when other people are sure. Yeah. But I don't know if 
These are some, a lot happens in these minutes, but it's not stuff that you can extrapolate a whole lot out of. Right. Because it's, it's mostly just like dialogue and then talking about the music. Yeah. Because it's just the continuing conversation of Gandalf and Bilbo. Right. And he's about to go. And he's just, he's about to take off. It's just. A new chapter in his life. Yes. He just wants to go somewhere and finish his book. Mm. But he doesn't finish his book. Don't. Yeah, he does. He finishes his part of the book. I suppose, yeah. He finishes his story. Because the journey of the ring to its completion is not his story. You know what I want to look up before we get there? I want to know who did the illustrations in the book that we see. Oh, that's a good point. I'm sure they talk about it in the art commentary. I'm sure they do. I want to know who did them. Because they're quite quite good. I would guess. Very pretty. Either Alan Lee or John Howe, probably. Yeah. I don't think... But it might have been some of the more... Um, design people because some of it is like more design style sketches right like the armor and yeah the, uh the runes and stuff mm. like that look into that before we get there it's gonna be a a while a while <laughs> you got some time you just exaggeratedly look at your wrist no one's watching us i can't help it You're i talk a, with my hands such a nerd i'm i i express things with my Bilbo. whole body <laughs> As, yeah, I know. You've been putting your hands on your hips every time yeah, you said Yeah, because I said you exaggeratedly put your hands on your hips and you turn your head around and you say, Bilbo Baggins. The ring is still in your pocket. Ha, 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 ha. Applause. Some laughter with applause. <laughs> A little golf clap. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's... That about wraps it up for this one, I think. I think it does. I mean, this is also when, like, they, they made very clearly, like, the ring must go to Frodo. Yeah. So. Not that we don't already know he's totally our main character. Right. You know. Although I guess maybe you might not know that right away. Well. If you if you were coming into this movie blind, totally blind. The theatrical cut, uh, because someone, I don't know if we talked about it on uh, on mic. With, we are talking about where the but title it's, it's card... it's about Frodo, right? Yeah. You see Frodo in the Glen, and the Fellowship title card is above Frodo. So that kind of uh, indicates that he's, you know, important. Yeah. But I think there are subtle cues. They're not like, you know... Because a movie never really goes outright like, this is your main character. Unless... Usually it's like the first person you see that seems to play kind of a major role. Right. And up to this point would be Gandalf. Right. Like, If you were just watching this movie blind, you might assume Gandalf's the main character. But I think the... Because he's got a, he has a hand in every, like, action. But Gandalf is also the, the mentor figure. Right. And I... There are certain archetypes and tropes that even, like... A lot of which kind of originate in this story. Well, no. I mean, with... Um, or modern takes on them do, anyway. What's that? Uh, the... Uh, I can't The hero's remember. journey? Yeah, the hero's journey guy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is the hero's journey. Yeah. This is the hero's journey. But, like, he, out he outlines journey. it... In different tropes, specifically through mythology. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a mythology. Yeah. I mean, whether or not you realize that. But even, like, the average, like, person going into a movie. They've seen a movie before. They know what's what. 
They know that the mentor guy is the old guy and the young whippersnapper is probably our main character, yeah. especially if they have the visual cue of the title card above this kid reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like this we guy's talk- important. We talked about how um, that scene with Frodo reading is very nostalgic. Yeah. It kind of evokes like, you know, like 80s and 50s kind of, you know, like heralding back to childhood innocence kind of thing. Free range parenting nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's not strictly a kid. He's 33. Right. But. Not 50. They don't outright say it in the movie. Right. So, I mean, he looks 16. Yeah. Like 20 max. Elijah would still look 16. I know. Ah, man. I want whatever he's having. Uh, But so I feel like if even if you are going in completely blind, you have visual cues and storytelling tropes that you can draw on as an audience member. Because I don't know. Studios, I feel like. I mean, they talked about this a little in the commentary, but the studio studios like to think that the like lowest common denominator of person is stupid yes like so dumb and i really really hate it when movies pander to audience members because even if it's a kids movie kids are incredibly smart yes kids kids are able to pick up on arguing me more things than adults are because they see things differently they haven't learned to see things the same way right they're not robots yet they exactly. haven't con- they haven't finished public schooling. They're oh. not they're not drones yet. So I I don't know. I don't like it when movies or directors or scripts pander to the audience because you have to respect your audience. They're the ones that you're marketing or not even marketing. You're they're the ones that you're sharing your story with. Right. Don't treat them like they're stupid. Right. You have they I mean they you know, they're smart enough to have walked, wait, like woken up, got out of the house and bought a movie ticket and wandered into the movie theater this morning. So treat them with some respect for real. That doesn't sound particularly like like a good endorsement. No, I'm just, you know, because I feel like a lot of movie studios are super out of touch with what people want from yeah, a movie so experience. Too. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, I don't know. I could go on about that. I'm so angry now. Don't it's pander okay. to me. It's okay. We're not dumb. We want to enjoy your movie. Don't treat us like we're stupid. Oh, goodness. I think that's that. I'm sorry. <laughs> now that we've evoked some anger. I I get so angry when a show treats people like they're stupid. It's very dismissive. I don't like it when a, when a piece of fiction treats me like I'm an idiot. You know? Yeah. Ah, man. Goodness. Anyway, let's bring us home, I guess. <laughs> Play it again, Sam. Right. <laughs> so you can find us online at duelinggenre.com. You can contact us at contact at lordoftheringsminute.com. Twitter at LOTR Minute. Tumblr, lotrminute.tumblr.com. We're on Facebook where we have both a regular podcast group and a listener group called Fellowship of the Mic. If you ask to join, we'll approve you. You should leave us a five-star review on iTunes, because that's what awesome people do. (laughs) And you can listen to Cassandra, 
Nick and Scott on The Doctor's Companion, a Doctor Who podcast. They also all write for Geek by Night, which is great and should be back this week. I believe so. If not this week, the next week? Soon. 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 We've been on a life hiatus. And Scott and Nick also both host Back to the Future Minute, and they're on hiatus at the moment. Yeah. But they'll be back with Back to the Future Part 3. But they have, like... Eventually. Almost, I think, over 200 episodes. Yeah, over 200 episodes. Or almost 200 episodes. We're going to have that many from this one. Yeah, they cover two movies, and we're going to have one. Yeah. For, uh... Are you ready for the thousand-plus minutes journey we've embarked no, on? I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at DuelingGenre.com slash support. We also have a one-time donation button and merchandise, which we're working on for Lord of the Rings and is available for our other podcasts. As always, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. Leaper yeah, get her name right. Leaper182. There you go. I did it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I hope everyone has a great Thursday and we'll see you tomorrow for Friday. Bye.